Hello. Hey. All right. And we're recording. On our phone because we are in the process of redoing our living room and the computer and all of the podcasting equipment is in the closet. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so for the time being, we are resorting to using, uh, using a phone to record everything. But we pretty much use our phone for everything anyway, including, you know, food and podcasting and Netflix. It's kind of like a multi-use item. Yeah, I gotta love technology, right? <laughs> so, so uh, as you can probably tell, it's been a few months. Um, <laughs> we recorded our first episode completely with the intent of doing this as a weekly podcast. And then, well, life happened. So that's kind of what we're... Uh, going to cover on this episode. I, I believe last episode we said we were going to talk about our trip to Portland. We're going to save, put that off for a later episode. Um, so we figured we'd kind of bring you guys up to speed and just kind of talk about a lot of the experiences we've been dealing with for the last couple of months. Yeah. So um, in January 7th, actually, my dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Um wasn't until the beginning of February that we found out what stage it was, which it was stage two. Um, And that entire month, there was just a lot of medical appointments and doctor's appointments and just a lot of prep. Um, We went over his will and, and who gets what. And, you know, he gave me passcodes and um, we pretty much prepped for him to die is a, very blunt, realistic way of saying that. And that was, um, I mean, terrible is not a strong enough word. <laughs> really shitty. Yeah. And, 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 really shitty. Yeah. And, and to put it into perspective, um, the, the, the kind of surgery that he was getting had a, um, what was it? I believe it was a, a, a 9% risk of him dying dying during the surgery and then not during the surgery it was um so he basically had to get the majority of his esophagus removed um i can't say the name of the surgery but google it it's like an incredibly long name um but it is one of according to the surgeon that he had it is one of the most um dangerous surgeries in the world um and there it was a um you know, surgery was about eight or nine hours, um, and then he would be on a feeding tube for a month. Um, during that time, though, there was a two-week window where the um, esophagus, which the little portion of it that remains, gets um, stretched and attached to his stomach. So basically, they just create a makeshift muscle, basically, for him to eat and, and be able to survive. Um, and there's a 9% chance of that snapping, um, during those two weeks. Um, I remember sitting at that doctor's appointment with my dad and of course he's asking all these questions about, is it going to be a painful death? And, um, you know, luckily it's not, you go pretty, go pretty quick, but, um, you know, that was, that kind of added this extra layer. You're already scared of surgery and you're scared of cancer. And then to know that there's like this increased risk um like when my mom had surgery to remove her breast cancer when she first got diagnosed 
there was no risk of infection and there was no risk of her dying afterward. They got the cancer out and that was the first step to her being kind of on the road to recovery and to know that this was just like the first step in being able to remove something and you can still die afterward, not even related to the cancer. Um, it just all happened very fast. This was all within the course of like weeks really and it just moved very very quickly so um it was just a lot to process you know you you just processed that it was cancer then it was all of a sudden surgery and then feeding tube and and then not being able to work and and then canceling our vacation and and you know worrying about work and it just it just snowballed yeah, and, and, and yeah, it's just. And this is before his surgery even happens. This yeah. was just prep work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This was. I mean, this was just everything leading up to the surgery. I mean, it was as she said, it was, um, just appointments every week, and and just kind of spending all that time to. I guess best way to put it is you know trying to get everybody's ducks in a row to get to make sure that like everything was kind of in order before he went in for surgery and and kind of, you know, mapping out a contingency plan for... The worst-case scenario. For worst-case scenario. Um, you know, th- thankfully, um, you know, he survived the surgery. He he, he uh, survived, uh, you know, he, he, he survived the, the two-week period. Um, but, you know, then... So after after the surgery, now the the originally they were telling us that he was only going to be in the hospital for about a week. I mean they well they I think they initially said a week. Then it was seven to ten days. Yeah. Um, on the tenth day he contracted pneumonia, so he had to stay in the hospital. Um, it ended a, up being a total of like 33 days that he was in the hospital um with pneumonia he had a partially collapsed lung um you know fluid around his his lungs and um ended up having to get a tracheotomy um and all of this just happened like one thing after another just suddenly um and you know the hospital that he was at is in a different state so not that it's far but when you know we're working you know i'm working till five um you know and then having to get in the car and then drive over over the bridge to philly parking and and at rush hour and you know walking through you had to walk through one hospital to get to the other hospital took you 20 minutes to even get to his room and and um you know you're there for about like an hour or so um you know when he had the tracheotomy he couldn't talk so we would just kind of sit and he would write flash like flashcards and notes and stuff like that and you try to communicate with him as best you could um and um you know and then drive back and you know we base the entire day was just nonstop um just a very emotionally draining and just physically taxing because not only were we dealing with him being in the hospital and just the emotional toll that that brings um which was hard for both of us um they had to do like suction 
um, with his tracheotomy and, and like his entire face would just turn purple and it just, John and I had to walk out of the room in tears because it's just awful to see. And, um, and then we're dealing with that and, um, you know, dealing with our own house and the pets that we have at our house and the pets my dad has, um, at two different households. Um, he sells on eBay. So we were handling his eBay um, and he has like 300 listings on eBay because he's an overachiever. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, this wasn't like a, oh, he had like three items up on eBay and we just had to keep an eye on it. It was like, like he sells constantly. Yeah. Like we, like we would like, we would go like we would open up his eBay account and it's, oh, he just sold like three more items and we'd have to like go over to the house and try to take stuff. We actually eventually had to, um just take down a bunch of his listings because with everything else we were dealing with and we'll, we'll kind of d- dive more into what we were else we were dealing with, but we had to, you know, at, at his, um, advisement, you know, we just, we took the, the rest of his listings down. And then when he got, finally got back home, he just put everything back up so he could, you know, take care of it. And we'd help them like take stuff to, uh, Okay, well, I'm going to have to try to edit that out of the show. <laughs> oh, God, it smells, too. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, in, in case you didn't pick up on that, uh, Courtney just let out, like, the world's biggest fucking fart. <laughs> like, ever. Oh, stop it, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh. <laughs> all right, um, <laughs> so, um, oh, that was funny. So we had to, uh, yeah, I mean, we eventually had to take down his, his, uh, his eBay listings. Now, I mean, to be fair, he actually did try to like, um, suspend his account before he went out but like for whatever reason ebay wouldn't let him like temporarily suspend the account so yeah and then i called ebay saying um hey my dad's on a tracheotomy he can't talk i need to cancel his listings and they were like oh can he get on the phone i'm like no he can't get on the phone he has a tube in his throat he can't talk (laughs) yeah ebay customer service gotta love him yeah so we so me and Courtney had to get just go in and manually like take down all of his listings and then when he got finally got home we helped him put everything back up but it was just that and then uh just a lot of other stuff that came up along the way too yeah so my my sister lives in florida and um her son lives with my dad who's 16 and um a week into my dad being in the hospital, my sister left um, to go back to Florida um, without really like a, a contingency plan or anything in place of who was going to take care of her son who is still in school. Um, and that ended up falling on the two of us um, because we didn't want him to stay alone I mean he can't stay alone. I mean he's you know he's six he's almost 17 like he's a smart kid you know what I mean but um you know he's still a kid still needs to be accountable and taken care of and fed you know and um you know he lives seven towns away um goes to school seven towns away so um he ended up living with us for a few weeks um you know where we were getting up um 
you know, an hour early to wake him up for school and, and, you know, drive him and then fight an hour's worth of traffic back. And, um, you know, he, because he's 16 and he's a teenager, he wants to stay out as late as he could with his curfew, um, you know, which is normally at 10 o'clock. You know, we don't have kids, so we're not super familiar with how you discipline or... (laughs) or handle a teenager, um, you know, but he, he came around and that was good, you know what I mean? But he still kind of stayed out with his curfew. So, you know, on top of all of this, we're having to just kind of delay and hang out while he waited for his curfew because he just didn't want to come. Um, you know, he was just, just, a, he was just a teenager. So, um, you know, that became an added stressor and, and, you know, me calling with the school and, and us picking him up and, um, you know, having conversations with them and, you know, about homework and like just the whole, the whole gamut, um, you know, spending extra money. Like it was just something, it was just, it felt like everything just kind of kept getting added on and, um, we didn't have any help from anybody, um, on either side. Um, so it, and by either side, I mean my, you know, my dad's side, my mom's side, stuff like that. Um, but it just, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And we, our entire life was just getting up and going to work and then being a, care- a caretaker in um, just roles that were outside medical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the best way, I mean, like when we say like we ran ourselves ragged, I mean, that's, that, that's not an exaggeration like at all i mean we really wore ourselves down to a point where it was just it was just exhausting just getting through a day i mean it's just we wore ourselves down so thin and um you know after he finally came home uh we stayed with him well and he was in rehab well yeah about like 10 days yeah yeah he was in rehab for about a week and a half after he was in the hospital so yeah including the rehab it was like he was base he was basically away from home for like almost 40 days yeah something like that and then um then he got after the after the rehab he came home and then we stayed with him for about a week and a half, just helping him around the house, helping him give medication, uh, applying well, his feeding tube. Yeah. Um, well, he had, he had to get three different medic. He had to get medication three times a day, about like 15, maybe like 10 medications at least. Um, all yeah, of which, all of which had to be crushed, um, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but not everything crushes easily. And when you're doing that right before work and, and you know you're kind of on like a deadline trying to get someone to school and work and stuff like that like yeah i mean every every morning we would literally have to set aside at least at least an hour to take care of all of his medicines and put it all of them through his feeding tube and flush his feeding tube and um you know and set up his feeding tube set up his monitor give him insulin shots and um you know help him wash his hair, help him walk around, um, you know, just, um, just a lot. We would come home, um, you know, for about an hour after work and then head right over there and, um, you know, sleeping on a 
horrible mattress, um, you know, because my dad sold all of the bedroom furniture after my mom died. Um, he just didn't want it. So there was, like, no furniture in the, in the yeah. house that you could sleep on. Yeah, and he and uh, he always sleeps in a, uh, in, recliner. a rec- in a recliner. So there was no bed, so we had to... That's another thing we had to do before the surgeries. We had to track down a, a bed. Um, well, initially, because ideally it was he was gonna be he was gonna be the one sleeping in the bed. But then when they told him that he couldn't like lay down, that he had to like sit up and like lay you know, or like recline back at at a certain angle and stuff like that, uh, we ended up taking the bed. Yeah. So um, our life pretty much only got back to normal within the past like two weeks or so um you know and during all this time like we're still working full-time um you know I'm still in school managing a 4.0 um you know in my senior year so my workload's heavy yeah. um you know and but then she's just, a smart cookie so she handled it thank you um you know but I mean it we really had no we really had no we really had no time even for ourselves um and there's no complaints with it. I mean, we're more than happy to, to do that. Um, I think my only complaint with it is I, I wish there was more help because it's it's too much for for one sibling or one relative, you know what I mean? And and it's too much for a couple. Yeah. Um, emotionally and physically. There's only so many hours in a day. And I think that's the biggest complaint that I have. It's not so much that we had to do that and make those sacrifices. I I think John and I are a firm believer that that's just what you do for family and especially your parents and especially if it's something, you know, as as serious as this. Um, but not having any help, like like at Easter, my brother and sister were in Florida on vacation <laughs> while we're at rehab and just kind of dealing with everything that was going on. Um, you know, and actually not celebrating Easter because we just, we were just drained. We just didn't want to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's funny because like we keep within the last few weeks since we've, things have kind of started going back to normal a little bit. Um, you know, we've been able to like finally kind of like get our house in order for the most part and like actually find time for us to do things for ourselves but we've just we've gotten so accustomed to being just wall-to-wall insanely busy with everything else that like we almost don't know what to do with ourselves like for example yeah. like you know like, like the example i was using with you the other night court was um you know i uh i, I play guitar and that's it's just it's, it's a hobby of mine and i've had i've been playing guitar since i was 13 um you know like I'll go to pick up one of my guitars and like I'll only play it for a few minutes because like I'm so used to us being so busy with like okay we gotta go okay well, we gotta go handle this for your dad and and or we gotta go do take care of this thing or that thing or you know that like with we're so busy with like much more higher priority stuff that like if I sit down to kind of just do something for myself. Like, I don't know if guilty is the word, but like, it's, it's almost like my brain's so hardwired to like, okay, there's like stuff that's much bigger priority that I don't know if I should really be sitting down and doing this right now kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just been incredibly stressful. 
Yeah. Like, and, um, like I'll say like the only, like throughout that whole process, like the only thing that I ever, that I actually really did like do for myself was like before bed every night, I, I, I got back into reading for like the first time in a while. Like I've been kind of like on and off for the last few years with like how much I, I've read and like for whatever reason, I guess it was just like my one thing I, I was able to do for myself that like I could very, it was something that I could very easily carve the time out for and, and without having to really worry about like, okay, if I gotta go do something else, I gotta like stop a whole thing down or this, that, and the other thing. Like I, I just was just reading. Like I, I, I mean, there were some books I had like partially done that. Like I finished off a whole bunch of books and I mean like I've, and then like I've, started picking up a couple of the books and reading stuff too so that's maybe maybe like the the one upside to it but um yeah it's just it's just been it's just and now that we actually have the time to do stuff it's like yeah and and unfortunately the stress really isn't over um during my dad's recovery while he's still in the feeding tube we found out that his cancer did spread um so he's going to be starting up chemo and radiation which we were told when he got the surgery um, you know, pr- at this point, a month prior that they had gotten all the cancer and he didn't need chemo or radiation. Um, so to find out that it's advancing, um, you know, especially like with breast cancer, you know, when my mom got diagnosed at stage four, I was very naive. I didn't know much about it. Um, now I consider myself an expert, but, um, I didn't really look into it, you know, I just kind of focused on, okay, whatever we have to do so she's okay and she's around forever is what we got to do. Um, I'm a lot more, I don't want to say cynical, but I'm a lot more realistic this time of knowing what stage three means and knowing what the next stage is and knowing that once it becomes stage four, um, you know, there's only so much time you have with it. Um, I, my dad has an incredible attitude. He beat cancer before. Um, he's the kind of guy who doesn't worry until he has something to worry about. It's a trait I admire, um, and hate about him, uh, because I am a natural warrior. So I'm always at, I'm always at like a 12 on the scale, um, or a hundred, but, um, out of 10. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, so, so that kind of hit us where it's like, it almost kind of made everything that had happens and not not so much of the stuff that we had to do and the sacrifices we had to make but like what he had to go through in general like the he had to go through a lot I mean it was he started off with the with the cancer diagnosis with he didn't want to do treatments and guess what if he died he got to be with my mom so what was so bad about that to wanting to live and wanting to have a reason to be around and um that was an emotional tool to get there. And so to go through all of this and to have been witness to what he had to go, to go through, um, and be alone the majority of the day because we're, we were at work. I mean, you know, we can't, I, I wish we didn't have to work. I wish we could just take time off, but you know, that's not feasible. So knowing that he had to be alone during the day and, um, you know, only get like an hour or so because that's really all we had to to give, um, and to it almost feels like it's for nothing because it advanced anyway, and that's, yeah. um, you know, I mean that's that's the shit that's like the really shitty part about it because you want to go through all of this and and this was tra- this was traumatic. Um, I mean, my mom ended up getting a uh, 
she had she had a um a brain surgery in 2016 like March of 2016 I guess and um and then had to go to rehab and she had to learn how to write her name again and pour water and and you know I remember walking in and seeing her in the hospital bed and just shrunken in her bed and couldn't talk couldn't open her eyes like just really really withered and even that and seeing my mom go through all of that which was heart-wrenching it's still not as bad as what my dad had to go through and for there to be almost no payoff with it like it's very unfair yeah I wish there was a different word for that but it's very unfair yeah um and it it was just it was a very hard it was just hard yeah um still hard yeah still hard um you know i i mean i i remember the the day that we found out that his cancer spread um he had actually was at his appointment i was actually driving from work to um to go pick him up because uh, his appointment was over in Philly and I work about 20 minutes up the road from where his appointment was and um, I think you I think you called me while I was driving and told me that no no or was it a or you sent me a, I think it was a you sent me, no maybe it was you sent me a text message no I so you didn't tell me that his cancer spread <laughs> if you remember the two of you my dad told you when you picked him up from his appointment and you thought he was going to tell me and my dad didn't tell me. So I found out the next day that his cancer had spread. I called you about the treatment plan. But you and him knew that his cancer had spread a day before I did. No, you no, you called me and told me it was stage. No, it was I. I didn't tell you about the treatment because I thought you said something about the treatment, but it was no, no. You're delusional. <laughs> yeah, because he told somebody, me somebody called me up and told me that it was stage three. I no, I called you for I called I called you when he got diagnosed with when. They confirmed it was cancer, and then I called you about his. You. It was it was when he it was when they got the confirmation for cancer, and then it was um, what they decided with the chemo and radiation plan. But he, when you picked him up from his appointment, um, he had told you that his can they found a cell in his lymph nodes, and I found out the next day while I was giving my dad his feed. Remember, because we got into a huge argument about it. Yeah, we got into a huge argument. I thought, I, I yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not remembering what. John's trying to make himself out to be a good guy here no. for the time being. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I just like I. I mean, it is what it is. I yeah. just it's not John's fault that he didn't tell me. It's not his place to tell me. It was my dad's place to tell me, and um, you know, he didn't want to worry me and scare me, which knowing it was going to spread, is going to worry me and scare me. So. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, the best thing to do. No, but I understand. I understand it, and it's in the past. You know what I mean? We can't change it. You know, there's never an easy way to tell someone that their cancer spread. I mean, I hope it's a role I'm never in where I have to deliver that news. Yeah. So, 
it is what it is. But that's what happened. <laughs> I remember now. It was I. It was. You're right. I didn't tell you about the the spreading. It was um after the words when we got confirmation. You called me up and told me that it was stage three because I remember being told it was stage three and breaking down in my car crying on my drive over to pick him up. I we. You and I, I don't know who you had that conversation with then, because it certainly wasn't me. <laughs> I remember I, oh, maybe it was stage three. Because I remember, okay, it was stage three, yeah. Because I remember, um, because I remember we found out it spread, and then after all that, I remember looking into it, and actually finding out that at, in certain, like, I guess it's like a certain way they would stage it, with like the way it spread that there's a possibility that his cancer would still be considered two, even though it spread. And then he had a follow-up appointment like a week later and we found out that it was stage three. Cause everyone, yes. it was, I do remember being, you call me up, tell me it was stage three and break it down crying in my car. Yeah. No, I remember that. I, now. I, now I remember how that worked out, but there's been a lot of cancer calls. We get them mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there there is a plan in place right now. It's a very um, it's know, intense. Yeah, they yeah they they've mapped out a fairly aggressive treatment plan for him. So I mean, we're you know, we're hoping for the best. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very, hoping... it's it's cautious optimism at this point. But... Yeah, I think for me, I mean, my dad's seventy six. Um, I hope he lives until he's one hundred and six. That would be the ideal situation. Um, but it's, you know, if someone dies when they're 80, it's a little bit easier to process than someone who passes away at a a young age. You know, my mom passed away at 60 or at 61, excuse me. Um, that, that's way too young. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you know, you're thriving still at 61. Um, you know, my dad passing away at I'm going to say 80 because I want to keep good vibes out there. You know what I mean? But if he has, you know, three or four years left, um, not it's not going to be easy by any stretch. Um, but it's a little bit easier to accept. I just, I, what I want most is I just want time. I don't want it to be bang, 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 one thing after the other. And it's just, I want to be able to have time where things calm down and we can enjoy life and not just John and I, but my family can enjoy life and we can, you know, I can learn how to play guitar and learn how to play landslide, which I always wanted to play with my dad on a duet and, you know, or get, break my drums out and, and sing a Christmas thing with him that he wants or go to the park and paint or draw. Like I, you know, there's these things that I've had on my bucket list for years that, you know, you don't, you have them there and you think, okay, I'll get to them at some point. And then some point comes and you realize that there's a clock associated with it. And, um, I don't have many regrets with my mom. Um, fortunately me and her had a, a the kind of relationship where we were best friends. We knew where we stood with each, with each other. We knew how we felt about each other. We knew what we would do for each other. Um, I regret not taking her to, you know, Olive Garden when she asked the week before she died and, like stupid stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I should have done this. I should have answered the phone more. But in regards to quality time and experiences, I don't have any regrets with her because we did everything together. You know, she was my entire 
life. So I don't want to, I'm given an opportunity now with my dad to cross those things off. That way, when I go through the grieving process again, um, it's just the grieving process. It's not grieving and guilt on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... um... So as you can see, that's why we didn't do a podcast about Portland. Yeah. Not that it's not a great city. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> been a rough couple months. I mean, like, truthfully, I mean, it's been a rough few years, I mean, with everything that went on with your mom and then her passing away and then dealing with that grief and then now this. It's been a rough couple of years, but the last couple months have been especially rough with everything we've had going on, so it's kind of... Our 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 life, uh, our life was thrown in the complete chaos for a couple months there. But as we said, things are kind of starting to settle down, and hopefully, we'd like to get into doing this show more often, more than once every three months. Uh, yeah. The, the initial plan was to make this show weekly. It's just, yeah. As as we just kind of laid out, we just haven't had the time to do it. What do you think has been the hardest part of the past few months for you? For me? Um... I, I mean, I just think in general, just dealing with all the, the, the stress of everything. I mean, there's just, you know, in as you know, especially in a situation like what we're dealing with, it's, you know, you've got stress coming at you at all different angles, like all different angles. And it's just like to a point where like, you know, you're, you're laying in bed at night going like you, you almost, your nerves can't, I mean, it, like you don't fall asleep because you feel calm enough to like uh, you don't feel rested yeah you don't feel rested you're not just like oh i'm gonna i'm just i'm calm and i'm tired i'm gonna go to bed and i'm gonna have a good night's sleep like you're you just you've literally just run yourself into the ground so much that like your body just can't fucking stay awake anymore no i mean there's i mean I mean, like, after, after the last couple of months, I think, like, I think it, at least half of what's in my veins right now is caffeine. Because <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, you got to keep going, got to keep going. And, like, and, and with stuff like that, I mean, like, that's not something where it's like, okay, you're handling all that stuff and, you know, okay, but we're going to sit down and, and we're going to make sure we cook ourselves, like, a nice healthy dinner and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, like. There were many nights that we just didn't even eat. Yeah, like we either didn't eat or if it was fast food or Domino's or some other delivery, you know. Um, I, I'm pretty sure both DoorDash and Grubhub know us by name at this point from how much <laughs> we ordered food through them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's delivery people that that recognize uh, me from answering the door. We've used those services so much. Um, but yeah, just like... 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not like, hey, we're burning through all, hey, we're doing all this, and, you know, okay, now we're gonna, you know, sit down and eat a nice Cobb salad or something like that. It's like, okay, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna eat pizza or burgers or, you know, if there's some quick meal we can whip up around here based off of the, you know, the, the, the two things we have in the house because we're too busy to grow, go grocery shopping, <laughs> you know. It's just, I, it's just, it, it's just, yeah, you know, and I was saying it was stress. I don't even, like, stress, I don't even think is the word for it. It's just, it's just the wearing down of, of everything, just physically and, and emotionally, too. I mean, it's just, I mean, both you and me have, you know, each had our, our uh, fair share of good cries over this whole thing, because it's just, it was just, it was just, it, it's just, it, it ran us ragged and like literally ran us ragged yeah i i passed our breaking point at some points definitely um there's this thing called the sandwich generation and it's typically people in their like maybe late 30s 40s maybe early 50s um who they are they're sandwiched because they are taking care of their kids who are still depending on them and who they still have to provide for and take care of and, and put first. But they're also dealing with their ailing parents. And um, they're just kind of sandwiched in this tough situation where you are needed from both sides. And we're not a part of that because we don't have kids. But I I kind of felt that way for a little bit because I'm 28. <laughs> And, um, you know, no other, there is no standard way that life should be in your 20s or 30s or ever, but no other 26-year-old in my circle or in my life lost their mom. No other 20-year-old was having their mom diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And, you know, no 21, 22, 23, 24-year-old was having to, you know be a part of that whole chemo treatments. I know what happens. I know that there's millions of people around there who have that experience, but it felt very isolated for me because there was no one else in my family and there was no one in my friend group, no one else that I knew. Um, so a lot of the feelings that I felt and those fears, it, it really manifested after I lost my mom and because I just held all these things in for just so many years, just trying to be um, positive and just trying to be strong for her. Um, You know, and then there's, you know, when you're 27 and you're planning your wedding, you should be happy and excited and, and joyous. And I was doing it and grieving my mom. So that's not... I hate to say normal because there is no such thing as normal, but it's not normal. Um, And then to be 28 and to be, you know, dealing with all of this, again, it's just such a short amount of time. I mean, my dad got diagnosed with cancer um, one year and 11 months after my my mom died. That is not a long time. You know what I mean? No, not at all. Um, If you have a, if you have a one-year-old it was a you know one in eleven months years years old. You're not gonna be like oh, 
it's been forever since you last had a baby. Like, no, it hasn't. Like, you need time to heal. <laughs> you need time to get adjusted. Like, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a long time. Yeah. And, um, and I felt very selfish, and I still feel a little bit selfish with it, but, um, you know, I want 28-year-old problems, and, and I want to be able to enjoy life as a 28-year-old, and, and be able to just not have life feel so heavy. Just to not have life feel so heavy. You yeah. know what I mean? To have this hope and to have this zest for what the future is going to entail. And, you know, like I don't want to have kids because I I don't want to take care of some somebody. I just... I need a break. Yeah. And I don't want to sign something up for the rest of my life. And guess what? That's not what the 28-year-olds I know are doing. They have kids or they're trying for kids. And, you know, I thought that would be me. You know, I, I'm going to be 29 soon. I thought I would have a kid already or or be in that process and have a house and have these things. And, and don't get me wrong. Life is good. We have a great marriage. I We both have great jobs. And. You know, I have a job that's in my field that it took me nine years to, to get into. And, you know, it's not bad, but I just, I wish that life wasn't so heavy. Um, yeah. You know, I don't feel like I'm 28. I don't feel like I am young. <laughs> I I feel like I'm a part of that sandwich generation. You know what I mean? I'm trying to still juggle school in order to get where I want to be in life and, and, juggle credit card debt and you know a marriage and you know and just my life and my life is just me losing my family so it's a very they're not 28 year old problems (laughs) no no they're not but I have a whole new respect for people who have to do this for an extended amount of time um you know, when my dad was in the hospital, I was very overwhelmed one night and, um, and he kind of snapped at me and was like, you know, you've only been doing this for a few weeks. I I did this for seven years with your mom. And I remember that really hurting my feelings because yeah, he took her to doctor's appointments and he went to chemo with her. And, um, you know, I wasn't strong enough to do chemo with her, um, I just couldn't handle it. But I was a caretaker in an emotional way. I was the one who she talked to about her fears. And, you know, I was the one who, you know, who kind of got her through a lot of those tough times. So he did the physical caretaking, but I really took on a a huge emotional role with it. Um... And that's really what it is. The physical stuff sucks, you know what I mean? But you got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's the physical stuff is always going to be temporary. But the emotional stuff is what lingers. And that's what lingers now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm... I'm just very glad that I have you to go through it with. No, I'm, I'm glad I can be your support system. 
you know, I mean, and we're each other's support system because, I mean, it's, you know, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, stayed strong for you. But, I mean, you know, I've had my moments where, you know, we've kind of had to shift roles here and there and where you need to stay strong for me because it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot for, for any person to handle. I mean, even, even being the support system. And, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm fairly close with your dad and stuff, too. So, I mean, it's, it's emotionally hits me emotionally too. I mean, you know, I would never, you know, like with everything that happened with your mom, like, you know, I would never, I would never say that like it, it hit me as hard as like you or your dad, but I mean, it still hit me. You know what I mean? Like it's still, you know, I've got my own kind of grieving process that I'm dealing with in that. And then, you know, dealing with all this with your dad, it's, 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 it's a lot emotionally. It's like, like I brought up earlier, you know, when, when you know you called me up and told me that they told him that it was that uh that it was definitely stage three after it spread like i i like i broke down the car crying like on my way to go pick him up it's just it's 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 a lot and you know i i i think that's one of the things that has always been great about our uh relationship hey Jeanette our, our cat just hopped up on the couch here no she's my favorite <laughs> um you know we we've always had each other's backs on stuff like that and and you know we're you know we have a strong enough foundation that you know we are each other's support systems through thick and thin on on everything and you know You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I can be there for you. You know, my, my dad said something to me years ago. Um, I don't know, maybe as we got engaged or we were getting serious and, um, you know, he said, when you're in a relationship, you have to be able to do the hard stuff and the hard stuff is not trivial. The hard stuff is the hard stuff it's it's this kind of situation and you and I from very early on agreed that if we had to take care of each other's parents for medical reasons that we would that if one of them died and they had to live with us that they would you know what I mean like yeah and that's something that you know when you it's important that you do that in a couple um you know that that's that's the hard stuff you know what i mean like yeah. john doesn't want his in-laws living with him any more than i want my in-laws living with me kind of thing <laughs> you know what i mean because who wants to have an additional person living in your routine you know what i mean right no one does we didn't even like having my nephew here and we love him like yeah. you know it's so nobody wants that you know what i mean cuz it's you want to just have your own life there's nothing wrong with that but when it comes to medical, we have that understanding that, you know, it's just, you know, we're just doing my family first kind of thing, which, you know, kind of works out in the long run. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, I mean, I don't want to lose my parents as early as I am. That sucks. Yeah. But, you know, 
it's going to be a lot easier to manage when we were managing one family at a time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because it's too much for one person. You know what I mean? Like, it's... You and I are, you know, run ourselves ragged dealing with my dad, let alone if we were dealing with my dad and one of your parents. You know what I mean? At the yeah. same time. Like, oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. And that's what a lot of couples have to go through. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it just... It all kind of happens at the same time. And... Um, you know, which is normal, but yeah, like um, not the not the change subject here, but like that that kind of brings to mind of like um, a coworker of mine. Um, I won't mention her name on the podcast just in case she doesn't want her name mentioned, but I I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, she, I mean, she uh, she just lost one of her grandparents maybe about a month or so ago and then today she told me that her husband just lost one of his grandparents too like very very close and I just like you know to have that kind of stack like that you know that's you know I can't imagine how how difficult that's got to be let alone you know what I mean yeah so I you know in uh yeah, you know. so we've we've staggered the uh, the illnesses. So we played it we played it very smart. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Um but I, I I think that, you know, when and and the shitty thing about being a caretaker is that it is always gonna fall on one person. Like it doesn't matter if you're you have one sibling or you have two or three or four, whatever it is. And maybe that won't always be the case, you know what I mean? There are exceptions to the rule, but from my experience and what I've seen and what I've been a part of, like, it always falls on one person. Like, you know, um, you know, a friend of mine is experiencing that for the first time, you know what I mean? Multiple siblings, but she's the one who is kind of taking this leadership out of it and, um... And the one that her family is kind of relying on. And that's just kind of what happens for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's always one who, who just kind of, everything kind of gets dumped onto. And, um, and that can be hard on a marriage. It can be hard on a family. It can be hard on finances. It can be hard on everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when your emotions are high, you're going to be angry and you're going to be you know just overwhelmed and um you know you have to be able to you have to just be able to do it you know like us creating this podcast of you know oh well we travel and we love traveling we do but the only reason we started traveling was because my mom died that was it and all of these places that we've been to and all of these experiences that we've had they were all as a form of escape. Going to Disney was a form of escape. Going to Portland was because we didn't want to be home on the one-year anniversary of her funeral. You know what I mean? Seeing Moulin Rouge in Boston, um, you know, going to Plymouth Rock and all these things. It was going to New York, seeing Broadway shows. Like, it was all, let's escape. Let's do whatever we want. It was instant gratification in over, like, all the time. Yeah. And, um... So we have all of these experiences that are solely rooted in just trying to get away, get away and kind of ignore the realities of a problem. And, you know, 
the title of it is not only, you know, because we have those experiences that we get to talk talk about in all these different places that we've been to, which we love and and we, you know, we do love being active and seeing new places, but it's also just kind of traveling through life together and you know, this is this is part of it. You know what I mean? Like okay. you know, you know, my mother-in-law says that this experience, um, you know, will make us stronger and there's truth in that, but we were able to get through this experience because of how strong of a foundation we have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like had this been kind of our first foray into this kind of thing, I don't know how we would have handled it. You know what I mean? I don't know maybe tempers would have been a little bit higher maybe there would have been a little bit more aggression there would have been a little bit more sadness and there would have been a little bit more resentments and yeah, a little bit you more know, of everything a little bit more of everything and you know leading up to this point we had dealt with disability and car accidents and being out of work and not having a job not having steady income you know being told that I can't carry a pregnancy to term and you know like, you know, cancer and brain surgeries and, um, you know, having to move in a weekend because my next, you know, our next door neighbor opened, you know, my door at 8 a.m. and was like, I'm not going to hurt you and scared the living daylights out of us, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and just dealing with financial hardships and, and family issues, which are normal and, um, you know, burying my mom and going through grief and going through all of that stuff, like, We've had a very difficult, we've had a very difficult relationship <laughs> in in that aspect. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, we, none we, of it has felt difficult. No, we've had a lot of difficult stuff thrown at us, but because we've got each other's backs, we've been able to kind of get through it. You know, it's that, um, you know, I always think of that episode of The Office when uh when Jim and Michael are both managers of the office and there's the 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 rumors coming down that um that they might all be losing their jobs and stuff like that so you know uh so Michael decides to play a game with the office while Jim's like you know calling you know corporate to find out what's going on with all these rumors and everything and there's uh a bit at the end where um I, I believe it's Jim that says it, or Mike. You know the you know. The I stuff. know exactly what scene he's talking about, and it's so Michael's playing this game to keep everybody's minds distracted off of what could happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can't change anything. They're just basically in a wait in a position where they have to wait and see what their future holds. Yeah. And you know, Jim wants to be proactive. He wants to fix it. He wants to solve it. He wants to ease people's minds. And that's not what Michael does. And, you know, Jim finally, like, snaps at him. And Michael snaps right back and is like, they need this game. Like, we let let us, like, let us have this. And and Jim says that iconic line, which I believe you're going to say, which is, you know, when, like, a sh- you know, you're on a boat and it's drowning, you know, the two parent. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's two, you know, there's two parents on a ship, and when one starts acting, you know, goofy or crazy, it's to protect the kids kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's you know, while while one parent's kind of, you know, 
while one parent is, um, you know, uh, trying to d- dig the water out of the boat to prevent the leak or, or whatever the situation with the boat is, you know, the other parents entertaining is entertaining the kids to, you know, and like, I kind of feel like that's kind of what we have in our relationship of like, um, there's actually a couple scenes in the. There's actually a couple episodes of The Office I could have used for reference. That was just. Of course there are, because The Office is a great show. Yes, it is a great it's show. A fantastic show. But anyway, um, you know, while when one of us is down, you know, the other one, you know, what we balance each other out. That's yeah. that's what I'm trying to say here is, you know. Like if you're down, I pick you up. If I'm down, you pick me up, kind of thing. Um, you know, if I'm freaking out over finances, you're you're the one that goes, okay. You know, well, let's let's calm down, let's figure this out. If you're f- the one freaking out over finances, I'm the one that's going, okay. Let's 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 figure this out. Like, you know, I mean, we we have a nice kind of yin and yang thing going on there, yeah. where where you know, the example I would have used instead of this one would be from Michael Scott Paper Company. That's actually right, I right, know. right. Just... Like literally, literally, right after I like laid that one out. Michael Scott paper comedy popped in my head. I'm like, that would have been such a better one because that's actually exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, so scratch that whole bullshit thing with the boat and the kids because we don't have kids and it's not relevant. And go with the Michael Scott paper company, which is the best episode ever of The Office. I mean, I'm partial to threat level midnight, but I mean, know. I prefer Michael Scott Paper Company even over dinner party. So that's how good it is. Dinner party is a good episode. Dinner, you don't even like dinner party. Don't lie. No, I like dinner party. I just don't think it's the greatest episode of it all time. Is like the greatest every, episode it, of all time. It is not the greatest episode. It is of all time. so good. There's so many. Threat level midnight is hilarious. I, I don't love think it. threat level midnight. is I can that quote great. threat level midnight like line for line. I love that episode. All right, here's a poll. Do you prefer? Dinner party or threat level midnight? So you should like comments on our podcast or find us on Instagram and message us. We just want to know. Nothing's going to happen. You're not going to win anything. You won't even get recognition. We just want to know. And I hope people side with me because dinner party is exponentially better than the threat level midnight. 1000%. But even saying that. Well, threat level midnight's my personal favorite. Just throwing that one in there. But, you know, in that scene with The Office when, you know, Michael and Pam are kind of going through when, you know, Pam's making the list to ease Michael's mind and, you know, Michael's trying to ease Pam's mind. You know what I mean? It's when someone's strong, when someone's weak, the other person's strong. And that's what you need in a relationship. And, um, you know, if you are dealing with a medical issue or it, it could be anything, it could be infertility it could be dealing with you know family issues it could be dealing with your own medical or just credit card debt or just kind of unsure what your next move should be like you need to you need to have a partner who's going to be able to balance that and if and we're a big believer in communication yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, it's not, we didn't get our relationship just because we're great people. We, we, we had to fight it out and we had to have a lot of, you know, nasty arguments and, and a lot of tough honesty with one another about what we needed and who we are and, and how we feel and how the other person maybe made us feel, even if that wasn't their intention. And, 
get to a point where we really understand each other. Marriage is work and relationships yeah. are work. Um, even if you love the person, anyone yeah. who says, Oh, it shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be work, but it requires effort and it requires constantly having an open mind and being able to communicate with one another. Yeah. And I think one of, I think one of the main reasons why you and I are able to get through the, the, all right. So, uh, sorry about that folks. We, uh, we didn't realize there was a 60 minute limit on the, the anchor app to record our audio here. So we are, uh, we're kind of just, <laughs> we were talking and talking and talking and then we looked at the app and realized it stopped. So we, uh, we're just going to kind of pick up from where we left off and keep going. Yes. Um, no, I mean, I was basically just saying that like, you know, when you're in a relationship, it, you have to put the effort in in order to understand one another. And um, and just kind of be there for each other. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it took us years to get where we are. Yeah. Um, and all of those, you know, trials that we had, um, you know, kind of leading up to this, you know, we... it'll they were such hard situations and so emotional that we had no choice but to kind of react the way that we reacted to them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like let's talk the kid thing, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. That first doctor's appointment and like those like two or three weeks as I was waiting results, like I was really devastated and like, really angry and like really sad and like broke down at dinner and like was really upset to think that I like wouldn't be able to have a family with you yeah you know and that didn't really affect you that much because you that was so far in advance that like it affected you but not really yeah I mean this was this was fairly early on in our relationship. Yeah, I'll say this is probably within the first year of First year, dating. I would say. But, and that affected me because as a woman, you know, like, that's just something you're supposed to be able to do. Yeah. But it ended up that same emotion that I felt with that fear of not being able to do it hit you that one time with my negative pregnancy tests and you, like, broke down. And just kept checking the trash can to see if it, like, magically turned. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't cut you off. No, I, I just, uh, yeah, you know, uh, knowing that, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I know with everything we've had going on, you know, we've, we've kind of hit pause on the whole trying for kids thing, but, you know, that was. We have, which is the smart thing to do. Yeah. Honestly. With, yeah, with everything we got going on, I mean, that's, that's. You know, we have to be, we want to be in our right frame of mind and be our healthiest selves before, before that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we want to take a little bit of time to be a little bit selfish. This experience kind of overwhelmed us. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That it, it took a lot out of us that for us to kind of. We're like, go- we just want to go to Disney World. Fuck it. You know what I yeah. mean? Sans kids. Like, <laughs> um, 
but like what I mean by that is that is that's an ex that example like you and I were kind of grieving the same thing only differently and at different times yeah you know what I mean and that's kind of the whole point of what I'm trying to say here you know what I mean like we had to kind of go through those experiences and feel and kind of go through the motions, so to speak, in order to be able to understand how the other person copes, how they deal with stress, how they deal with bad situations. Are they going to show up through the hard times? How they find strength through it? What to say, what not to say, how to provide support. And, you know, so how did not, so like, you know, me feeling that way when I first got that news on that test enabled me to kind of help you four years later when you felt that same kind of sadness and devastation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you know what I'm trying to say? I'm not yeah. explaining it right. But... No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, and that's and that's kind of the circle it back to what I was kind of saying before. You know, we, you know, we're strong for each other. You know, we we ba- we balance each other out. You know, and and I think that's what works so great about our relationship as a whole is that you know. We balance each other out in in those ways, and we've gone through a lot of tough stuff and hard stuff and been there for each other through all of that to kind of come out the other side um stronger and and you know we're you know and it's not like you know i mean we're you know i mean we're laying out all this stuff of like oh well you know like this that and the other thing we've brought up like you know arguments and stuff like that but like it's not like we've had a, it's not like we had a bad relationship from the go and then like it eventually evolved into a good relationship. I and mean, we've had a f- pretty good relationship from jump. It's just, we've, you know, through everything that we've been through, all those things made it better. Yeah. And, I and mean, made it better and made it stronger. You and I were at the end of the day for as similar as we are, we're, we're both individual people yeah. who come from individual backgrounds and have individual mannerisms and and goals and things like that yeah so you know just like any relationship when you first jump into it you're going to be two separate people and you're just kind of fitting the parts together seeing what fits what doesn't yeah what bad habits you have what bad habits they have and you know what positive you know habits you you know you inherit from the other um like a very negative habit you um you know inherited from me is messiness i'm an extremely messy person yeah when i was funny <laughs> funny when i was living by wait, fu- living by myself i i usually used to keep my apartment very clean for the most part i mean like maybe a little dusty but other than that like i i, I like, like dishes for, after dinner kind of and like made his bed every morning like i don't know about the bed thing but um but times. but still like <laughs> still I, I kept my apartment fairly fairly tidy i mean like there was I don't think we've maybe made maybe maybe like not ever. maybe not one hundred percent maybe it was a little bit a little bit lived in but like for the most part I, I kept it I kept it fairly uh kept it fairly uh tidy and clean and then and then 
I moved in with this one and Yeah, and I'm just like I'm like the dishes can wait until next Saturday. Like it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but but there's been positive traits too. Like I know for me, like I you exposed me to just trying and putting myself out there. You know what I mean? Like that's a very positive trait I took from you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no. I, um Oh God, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, it's not. I mean, like, for, I, I, like, I know, like, like for me, like, like, what I've picked up from you is that, like, it, it's become easier and easier for me to kind of open up about stuff. Like, I, yeah, I, I used to be very kind of shut off, very shy, very, like, didn't talk about my feelings a whole too much, and like, I feel like with you I've kind of I've opened up a lot more I've I've been able to share my feelings more and and you know I've uh you know I'm able to be the real me I guess it's the best way to put it is that you know like so being you know shy and timid and quiet and stuff like that like you know around you I can be you know I can be very silly and you know I can open up and stuff like that I mean you know I mean, something that, like, a lot of people don't see with me is that, like, I have a, I have a really, really silly sense of humor. <laughs> like, yeah, just, you like, you know, like, Courtney will be in the living room watching TV and I'll go up to get a glass of water and, like, I'll just, like, be dancing or I'll start doing, like, cartoon voices or... But, like, that's what makes our relationship work because yeah. when you were in the kitchen today looking at your phone, I walked in and was just, like... <laughs> look I'm a penguin and just started like walking like a penguin (laughs) in the kitchen like and it's stupid shit like that that you know you have to be yourself you have to be secure in your relationship to be vulnerable yeah and that includes being silly I think people take themselves too seriously and are just like oh I'm an adult I have to act like an adult 1000% like I have no doubt that I'm an adult you know what I mean yeah like yeah I have no doubt that I'm an adult. I'm capable. I'm responsible. I'm I'm mature. I'm able to handle everything and and survive on my own. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I can't be silly and have a personality and act really juvenile sometimes. Yeah. And you know, text him yesterday, being like, "Are you prepared for a Pokemon battle?" Like. Yeah, we we just we texted each other. Um. Yeah, gifts of Pokemon doing stuff. That was that we had a text message Pokemon battle. It was pretty awesome. It was. I won. And then I follow. But... And then I follow that up. Um, after we got home, I pulled up uh the the Pokemon battle music from the old Game Boy game, um, on my phone and grabbed <laughs> a plush Bulbasaur and had it doing attacks to Courtney while she's sitting on the couch trying to watch TV. Yeah. So I mean, like, you know, I think that that's. You know, and every relationship's going to be different, but I think the bottom line with what those examples are is you have to just be yourself because when you're yourself, you are going to find someone who appreciates that and loves that and admires that and continually inspires you to want to strive for more and to continue getting better and working on yourself. Yeah. And when you find that, that makes doing the difficult things not so difficult yeah yeah no that's i couldn't have said it better myself that's that is exactly yeah so when you're when you're traveling through life together you need to be able to make sure that you're 
keeping an honest communication about what your needs are and having each other's back 1000% throughout the hard stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and you will get through it. Yeah. For as shitty as it may be. Yeah. (laughs) For a temporary time. Yeah. As you travel through life, as the show is called the traveling Clements. Ah, see it all ties in. It all ties in. Okay. He's been watching too much. Santa Clarita diet, because that sounds like something that Drew Barrymore would say. Or Joel. Or Joel. Yeah. Whatever yeah. his name is. Um, Timothy Suck, Elephant. Fuck you, Netflix, for canceling that. Yeah, come like, on, man. In, like, instead of having a stupid Beyonce documentary, sorry for all the queen beers, but I mean, come on. Like, that was a great show. Like, fuck you, Netflix. Yeah, I know. That's it's such a, like... We, Bullshit. We, we, we've actually been, like, binge-watching it on repeat lately, because we're just, like... We're in protest. Yeah, in protest, we're like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna watch as many we're gonna rewatch Santa Clarita Diet as many times as we want, and uh, you know, Netflix will uh, Netflix will just have to bring back a season four because we'll literally watch it so many times that they'll be like, oh, we gotta bring back that show yep. for John and Courtney. They're gonna do it for the two people living in New Jersey on their olive green couch. Yeah, we have an olive green couch. But anyway, that's, you know, episode 101, a little long-winded. There was a lot to cover. Um, you know, we got a little off-topic here. You know, again, Dinner Party is the best episode of The Office. But, Threat Level um, Midnight. You know, that's why we have taken a break. And, you know, not only did we not have the physical time to sit down and, and do things like that, um, you know, for about two months or so, but... Just in the past few weeks, like, we just wanted to kind of get acclimated and, and just be able to sleep in and watch a TV show and, and be able to just have a conversation and drink coffee and peace kind of thing. And um, Yeah, which reminds me, I think we're out of K-Cups. We are out of K-Cups, so that's, tomorrow morning is going to be terrible. Yep. Um, but, you know, we just kind of wanted to give an explanation and, you know, provide comfort maybe if someone's listening to this and they're going through you know they're dealing with cancer they're dealing with a sick parent or you know having difficulties in their relationship um things do get better and you know my advice is to just be honest about what your needs are and um just communicate them because that's what helps you and that's what helps you and a couple get through tough tough moments yeah and um yeah i just i hope you have someone in your life who you can count on the way i do oh yeah oh i also hope you folks have somebody that you can count on in your life like i do oh um but yeah that's that um we will resume with, you know, travel stuff, but we're going to start to interject a little bit more updates about personal life and, you know, just kind of reality of life. And, and um, you know, we might talk about different experiences that we've had, you know, like what it's like being out of work or um, quitting your job without any sort of backup plan and just doing that for the hell of it, which is something we also have experience in. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that's kind of it. Yeah. I say I know an awful lot, but I know nothing. Yeah. Um, 
And then, uh, as always, you can check us out on our social media. What is Instagram, which is Traveling Clements. Yes, and that, that's all we have, right? We have Instagram, we don't have a that Facebook. That is all we have, because honestly, I don't really like Facebook. And no one really uses Facebook anymore. It's for like, Facebook went from being cool for like college kids to now being cool for 55-year-olds. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll have to... <laughs> no offense if you're 55 listening to it. I have Facebook. I just, we're going to be on Instagram. We might create a Twitter account, but Instagram is really where it's at. Yeah, um... Yeah, and that's what where we're at for now. We're, we'll probably expand our uh, social media later, and you know, um, as our audience grows, we'll, you know, maybe uh, maybe we we work in something down the line with like uh, reading like messages from listeners or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if let's say, you know, if you have your own experience or you went through something, you know, similar to what we went through, and and you have advice or, um, you just want to vent. Um, do that. I mean, I, I've been writing articles for years and I get messages constantly from people who, you know, read an article of mine about, you know, feeling hopeless or not getting the job they wanted or divorce or whatever it may be. Um, cause I'm divorced. I mean, fun fact. Um, but, uh, and, and they just message me as kind of just a sounding board, just being like, Hey, listen, it was really helpful to know that I wasn't alone. So you can do that. Um, I always answer all my messages and, you know, you're not alone when you're going through tough stuff like this. It's very hard and it can feel very isolating and overwhelming. And my best advice is to feel all of those emotions because you have to feel everything in order to be able to handle it. You can't run away from it you can't try to pretend that your problems don't exist or that difficult situations don't exist you have to be able to talk about them and face them because that's the only way you're going to get through it it's okay to be human yeah yeah it's it's (laughs) i i I literally have nothing to add to that (laughs) um so that's been that's it for uh this week's show and um you know, as we said, hopefully we'll get back on some sort of regular regimen. Hopefully next week. Soon. Um, yeah, you know, we'll get back into a re- weekly thing and, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll get back into, um, you know, doing shows on a regular basis that we, you know, put out on a specific date and stuff like that. We just, you know, this is uh, kind of a, this is... <laughs> more of a spur of the moment kind of uh here's what's going on and we just kind of want to talk about our experiences and how that relates to our relationship and make an episode of it so um until next time i'm john oh and i'm courtney and this is ben traveling clements traveling clements and i'm trying to come on